We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Would you open your Bibles where um, Jared read to us a few moments ago in Mark chapter 8. I'm going to go a little quickly if I can because I want to get a few, through a few verses more than he read. But I do want you to think about uh, the theme or the topic, open my eyes, open my eyes. When I was a little boy, uh, we, we lived in a, you know, a small house, didn't have heating, air conditioning. You know, I think we had one evaporative cooler. If you're sitting next to a young person, would you tell them what those are? Uh, you might have called it a swamp cooler. We had one for all uh, seven of us. Uh, we had uh, a gas heater in the middle of the home. And you had to get up early to get close to it with all of us uh, if you wanted to get warm. But I remember a lot of times my brother and I never had a, a room by myself till I went to college. Uh, and I, I lived through that, believe it or not, I survived. But I remember, in, especially in the wintertime, uh, waking up in the mornings and sometimes my eyes had been kind of stuck together. Does that still happen? Or was that only a thing back in the 70s or 60s? Does it still happen today? Kind of matted together because of whatever... We called it, you got sleep in your eyes. And I haven't thought about it for decades now, but, but uh, I remember those days. And my, one of my parents would come with a, a warm water on a cloth and they would wipe our eyes a little bit and then we could, we could see. There's all different circumstances in our lives when we need to see. A man was teaching on a Bible study one time about Christ's miracles and often Jesus healed someone, recorded in the scripture many healings of blind people many probably more that are not recorded in the scripture but he was going to teach about what it was like to be blind and he had the whole room where the people came in completely dark now i'm talking about really dark i think there was a movie a long time ago and i can't remember what it was but they called it serious dark have you ever been in that before serious dark you can't see anything in front of your face and he left it that way for them to find their seat to get some refreshments, to get ready for that Bible study. Well, you can imagine what happened. You hear, you hear uh, chairs crashing and falling over and people saying, ah, and they're, they're walking into each other, excuse me. But he wanted them to get the sense of what it was like to be blind. If you've never had problem with your sight, uh, perhaps you've been asked before, would you rather lose your hearing or your sight? And or other things. Well, what, we don't want you to lose any of those things, but what would it be like to be blind and not able to see? Well, the passage that we're going to read here this evening teaches us we all are blind apart from Christ. We need our eyes open in many different ways. There's going to be a few of them that are answered here through a literal healing, as Jesus has done before, and also some other ways. So I'd like for you just to reflect on your own life, your own experiences, your walk with Christ, and ask him, Lord, do I need my eyes open? Oh, do I need to see more clearly? Look with me there in the beginning of Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Keeping this in mind, we all need our eyes open by God to see these things clearly. And they came to Bethsaida. Now, this is the hometown of Peter, Andrew, Philip. Uh, it's close to where the, five, the feeding of the 5,000 was. I told you last week, remember, Jesus has been speaking, teaching, and doing miracles among the Jews. But he's left there now, and he's headed toward the Gentiles. There is a time when Jesus fulfilled, I am called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And much of the gospels that we've read so far 
Was Jesus even telling the woman uh, the, that it's not right to take the children's bread, the, king, the children of the king's bread, and give it to dogs, Gentiles, and that great woman of faith? Yes, but the dogs love the crumbs that fall. Jesus has now left the region of the Jews, and he's headed toward the Gentiles. And these, this miracle and some of the other things that take place are among Gentile people. So he came to Bethsaida. They brought him. A, they they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. I thought about that. If I would have had a good friend that was blind and I knew Jesus was close, I would do everything I could to get him or her close to Jesus. Remember those guys that tore the roof off while Jesus was teaching? They wanted their buddy to be so close to Jesus, and you and I want that same thing. So they brought this blind man. Remember, sometimes when Jesus heals, he touches them. Sometimes Jesus doesn't touch them. We saw an instance uh, recently in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus touched him several times. He touched his ears. He touched his eyes. He almost did like sign language to that man that he was going to heal his ears and heal his eyes. Sometimes Jesus just says the word, go your way, your servant's healed. Jesus can heal any way that he wants to, but these people are saying, would you touch him? Would you do a miracle like we've heard you've done before? And it says, taking the blind man by the hand, Jesus didn't often do that. But in this case, he's working a perfect will for a perfect circumstance. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. One of the things I want to mention there, the Bible teaches us that Christ suffered where? Outside the camp, bearing the reproach. You and I go outside the camp with Christ. We are entering into a place where it's not the place of honor. It's not the place where the Jews would be saying, we're of God and listen to what we are going to do. You're put outside the camp, a place of exile, a place of, of not good reputation. Jesus became that for you and me. And the Bible teaches us, let us go outside the camp with him, denying ourselves and putting ourselves down and wanting to be identified with Christ. He wasn't going to heal this man inside the village. I think that that's important. He is headed to the Gentiles now. He is through with the Jews in a manner of speaking. So he takes him outside the village. And after spitting on his eyes, Jesus had done that a little bit before. He had spit in the ground and made clay, you remember, and touched that man's eyes. In this case, he spit literally on his eyes the saliva from the mouth of the word of God. Don't forget he's the co-creator of the universe. And of some of his very mouth is going to be put on this man's eyes and laying his hands on him. That's what they had asked. Would you touch him? He asked him, do you see anything? What if Jesus were allowed just to walk up and down the aisles, probably start in the pulpit, saying, Mike, can you see anything? I could tell him, well, yes, Lord, my wife is an optician. She works for an eye doctor, and I've got these prescriptions. They are, uh, they are uh, what are they called, transition? No, not transition. That's where it turns dark and light. Progressive. I should know that. Uh, progressive lenses, and I can look at my computer, I can look at my book, and I can drive, and I can just do this all day long and all night long. Jesus probably is not asking me whether I can see out of my glasses. He would probably be saying, but Mike, can you really see? 
Can you see what's going on inside your own heart? Can you see about your family? Can you see what's happening in your church? Mike, can you see what's happening in the country you live in? Mike, can you see anything? I remember as a little boy in the church that I grew up in, uh, we used to sing a song a long time ago. It's an old one. It says, open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Open my eyes, illumine me, spirit divine. See, that hymn writer knew that they might be able to see physically, but the hymn writer knew we need to ask God for the ability to see spiritually. Now, some of you ladies who are moms, uh, guys, let's just admit it. Young people, let's just admit it. Moms can see a lot of things. I used to think there were five of us children. I used to think we could do some things and get by with it and that nobody knew about it. But my mama, you know, you heard that the moms have eyes in the back of their head. My mom had eyes all around her head. She had them everywhere. And she was not the kind that would quickly point out what you've done, even if it was wrong. She was the kind that discipled you and guided you and loved you through it and, and taught you through it. But I don't know if I ever did anything my mom didn't know about. She's probably up there in heaven smiling right now saying, no, you didn't. Do we need to answer that question that Jesus asked? Can you see anything? Can you see anything? Look what the man answered. Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Now, in a moment, we're going to read that this man's going to have his eyesight restored. So that gives us implication that he'd probably been able to see before. Probably he was not born blind like the man in John chapter 9, never able to see anything before. He is here asked by Jesus after Jesus has touched him, uh, can you see anything? And he says, I can see men. I know they're men, but they look like trees walking. Now, I don't know about a blind person, but they probably have walked up to a tree and touched the bark and felt and around it. And, and when his eyes began to open, he couldn't see very clearly. I remember when I first got glasses in the ninth grade, I could see people's hair. That sounds funny, doesn't it? But if you haven't had glasses before, you didn't know what you couldn't see. Tommy was telling us about getting cataracts taken off his eyes, and he just went to Kroger so he could walk up and down the aisles and see all the colors. He hadn't seen colors in so long. But here, this man, what do you see? And he says, I, I see men, and they look kind of like trees that are walking around. He couldn't see very clearly. Now, we've got to ask a question. Did Jesus just halfway heal him? Did some of Jesus' power just, uh, did it run out before the miracle got finished? Did Jesus just want to tease him? I'll just let him have a little bit of eyesight, but I'm not going to do a mighty miracle at this time. The world could look at this in all different ways, but I think there's a very significant thing that Jesus is showing in this miracle. You and I, when we do begin to see spiritually, when we become a Christian, the Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians, we have the eyes of our understanding enlightened. I've had people tell me when they first come to know Christ, I can hear the birds sing. I can see the grass. I see the sky. Well, they've been healed. They've been spiritually made new. And they can see more clearly than ever before. They see like God wants them to see. Can you see anything? I believe as we begin to see spiritually, God doesn't show us everything at one time. 
Would you agree? When you first came to know Christ, did you know everything about yourself and everything about God? We couldn't handle it, could we? Psalm 139 teaches us God knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. He knows our downsitting, our uprising. He knows our thought before we have it. What if the moment you come to know Christ, he showed you everything that's been in your heart? Do you think we could handle it? I don't think so. If he shows you instantly all the things that he's going to work out in your life, could we handle it? I don't think so. And we're just like that spiritually. We see a little bit. It's great what we do get to see when the hand of Christ touches us spiritually. We see a little bit like this man did. And I think that's the purpose that Jesus is doing it this way. We begin to see. We begin to see. But Jesus wasn't through with him. And he's not through with you, you and me either. He wants us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to read you just a few statistics about eyesight, if you would. Let me. You probably knew these things. Maybe you didn't. Your eyes start to develop two weeks after you're conceived. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they're some of the very first things that start. Eyelids, are, you don't have eyelids probably, or they're, it's covered over. But the eyes themselves start to, uh, to develop. The entire, this is interesting, the entire length of all the eyelashes shed by a human in their life is over 98 feet, with each eyelash having a lifespan of about five months. Did you know that? You have a good trivia question answer right now. I know some ladies right now have got about 98 feet on their eyelashes at one time. I don't know, I don't know where they're getting those things. It says your eyeballs stay the same size from birth to death while your nose and ears continue to grow. Isn't that a fun fact? I had this size ears when I was young. How big are they going to be before I'm, uh, I'm done? An eye is composed of more than two million working parts. Are we fearfully and wonderfully made? Isn't it a miracle what God's done in making us as his creation? Corneas are the only tissues that don't have blood. An eye cannot be transplanted. There's more than a million nerve fibers. We don't know how to connect them all. 80% of our memories are determined by what we see. That's interesting. Eyes heal quickly. Eyes can, uh, with proper care, even if you have a scratch on a cornea, uh, in 48 hours it can be healed. There are about 39 million people that are blind around the world. 80% of vision problems worldwide are, av are avoidable or even curable. Uh, a fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, but an iris has 256, a reason why retinal scanning is so popular. I could go on and share some other statistics about that, but the eye is an amazing part of our body that God has created. Jesus said as in his teaching, the eye is the lamp of the body. And the eye needs to be single. It needs to be, we need to be careful what we let in through the eye. Because what we let in through the eye, and I want to give you this, I was talking with a brother earlier, what we see becomes images that are in the most sophisticated computer that there ever will be, and that's your brain. And those images enter into us through our mind, they enter into our heart, and those images, because of our imagination and our mind's eye ability, we can pull those images back up. So that's why the Bible warns us, be careful what you put in through your eyes because it stays with you. When this man was asked by Jesus, can you see anything? Wow, there was a lot to that. And he admitted, I see men that are like trees 
walking around. But Jesus wasn't through with him. He asked him again. He laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored. Jesus finished the miracle and the man says he began to see everything clearly. I want you to hold your place there, but I do want to look at a verse in 1 Corinthians. I want you to see it with your own eyes. You notice how I said that, with your own eyes. That goes with this. 1 Corinthians 13, please. 13. I bet you're familiar with this verse. 1 Corinthians 13. Look with me at verse 12. Looking at the theme of how do I need to see? Lord, can I see? Would you open my eyes? Look what it says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. For now, the apostle Paul writes, now in a human body on this earth, when we come to know Christ, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Paul's saying, we don't see fully yet. I'm convinced that we only get glimpses of heaven because we could not even take in the beauty of glory. We couldn't, we couldn't believe it all. We couldn't see it all. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Reg Westmoreland, if any of his family is watching here tonight on, on a, uh, the live stream, he doesn't have to see dimly anymore because he's seen face to face. Now I know in part, Paul says, but then I'll know fully just as I also have been fully known. I'm going to turn over a couple more pages, 2 Corinthians 3 for a moment. Let me read another one that goes along with this. 2 Corinthians 3. Look with me at verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, we don't have a veil over our face anymore like Israel did, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Our, <coughs> excuse me are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Spiritually speaking, the more we look into the mirror of God's Word, it transforms and changes us into the same image. In other words, you and I ought to look more like Jesus than we did yesterday. We ought to be more like Him and think more like Him and walk more like Him, not in our own power, but by His power. So the scripture in several different places teaches us we need to see better. I need to pray, open my eyes, Lord, and let me see. This man started out barely seeing men like trees walking around. But then he said, I can see clearly now. We all need our eyes opened by God to see things clearly. Back in Mark, look there at verse 26. Did somebody else need to see a little more clearly than they did? He sent him, the blind man that was healed, to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Again, Jesus is going in a new direction now. Don't go back there. Don't go back to the village. You go back home. Jesus went out along with the disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, two Caesareas in Israel. You've probably been there, some of you. This is the one that Philip had uh, his name for. And on the way, he questioned his disciples saying to them, who do people say that I am? Would it be fair to say that people needed their eyes open to who Jesus was? Who would you have thought he was? You might have heard uh, the news of the day. Think about it in our day today. Hey, on Instagram, I heard that there's a guy over across the pond somewhere, and he, 
He, he did a miracle and everybody saw it and, and man, I've heard about him and, and, and then somebody tweets about it and, and tweets go around the world. Hey, there's a guy named Jesus. You got to hear about him. He has done something. And then somebody got a video. There was a guy with a withered hand and, and now he made it whole. And you can see that video right on, put it on social media. That's what would happen in our world today. Jesus went out and his disciples and he asked them, who do men say that I am? And they told him saying, John the Baptist. Why would they think some, some people think he was John the Baptist? You remember the last verses of, the, of your Old Testament? Before the day comes, before the day of the Lord comes, God is going to send Elijah again to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children of the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Elijah is going to come back. Jesus tells in one of the gospels I tell you John was Elijah he had the same spirit that Elijah did and you did with him what you did who do people say that I am some say you're, you're Elijah some say you're John the Baptist after he had been beheaded for the faith uh, a lot of times people believed in ghosts they believed in ancestors that came back from the dead and some said we just think some people think you're John the Baptist that was uh, resurrected from the dead and you're coming back to get Herod others say Elijah but others one of the prophets remember there was going to be a prophet that would be the forerunner of the Messiah and that's who John was and then he continued by questioning them. And look closely at these words. I know you know them, but look with me. But who do you say that I am? I'm not too sure that the Holy Spirit personally doesn't ask everyone, who do you say Jesus is? There was a time, no matter how young you were, you know, from, from time to time I talked to people. When did you become a Christian? Oh, I've always been a Christian. I want to tell you, if you're going to join Denton Bible Church and you're going to write that on the membership paperwork, don't. Because it's going to get kicked back out. Jordan's going to read it. It's going to give you a phone call and say, we need to hear about your salvation experience. You weren't born a Christian. You have to come to know Jesus personally. Now, many of us might have been raised in a godly home. Praise the Lord for that. But my little grandson is one year old, and I love him. But he's a sinner. Now, Clancy and Cynthia, if you're listening, please uh, just realize that's Bible now. He is cute, and he does wonderful things. He is just a pleasure to be around, but he's a sinner. And his mom and daddy love Jesus. Both sets of grandparents love Jesus. Aunts and uncles love Jesus. But that little guy has to answer that question someday for himself. Who do you say? that Jesus is Luca I don't want to embarrass anybody but look back there and see that little baby is that not the cutest thing right there mom and daddy sitting with that little child that little child does not know yet how blessed she is to have a mom and daddy that love her and bring her to church one of these days she may be asked that question who do you say Jesus is and won't it be great for you to be able to hear he's my Lord and my Savior I've had the privilege of praying with so many children that have received Christ when they first believed. And it's one of the most special things to watch God do. 
Well, Jesus asked them a question that I'm not too sure all of us are not asked. Who do you say that I am? All of us in this room have to answer that one way or another. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Don't you want to cheer for Peter? He's always messing up. He is sticking his foot in his mouth and he is saying the wrong things, doing the wrong thing, but he got this one right. I want to jump up and down and say, boy, Peter, you did good. Hold on a couple verses, but you did good, Peter. In Matthew, Matthew tells a little bit more about this, the 16th chapter. It says, blessed are you, Jesus talking to Peter, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. You know what he's saying? God had to open your eyes, Peter. You mean he needed his eyes open too? He could not know that Jesus was the Christ except God opened his eyes. He wasn't blind physically, but Peter was blind spiritually. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you've been blessed by God. He opened your eyes. He let you see that I am the Christ. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You and I in our, time, in our lives need to pray, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see more clearly. Let me see more clearly how to support my church. And I just want to say this. I want to put, be on record I am a member of Denton Bible Church, and I love this church. Uh, I'll probably lose some friends or whatever. Don't come and talk bad about my church because I love this church, and I believe we need to support our churches during this time more than we ever have before. Churches are being called to make good, hard, strong stands, and many people are jumping ship because they're too afraid to make that stand. Will you hang in there? You hold fast to God's word and you hold fast to your church. And he asked God, let me see a little more clearly. Do you need sometimes to see more clearly how to raise a child? My goodness, when we had our kids, I, I thought they didn't give us the manual. I can put an appliance together. I can wire it. I can, I can build something for my wife that she ordered off of Amazon because they give me an instruction book. But when they gave us those little humans, they forgot to give us the instructions. We need our eyes open. We need our eyes open that there's a lot of lost people around us. Do you? Uh, I grew up in West Texas, so cows, when they go to the tank, we call them tanks instead of ponds. I know we're weird. But to the stock tank where they get water, they walk in the same path every time. So there are cow trails everywhere. They wear the grass out. You know where the cows are walking to the tank. Well, you and I are like that sometimes. We just make our own track and we go the same ruts all the time. And if we're not careful, we do our thing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We go to church on Sunday and we start over again. And we're not visible. The people around us are not visible. And we, we don't realize there's a lot of lost people around us. Do I need to ask the Lord, open my eyes more that I can see the lost that need to hear about you. Open my eyes more that I, can, that I can love the unlovable. Open my eyes. Cheer for Peter, but hold on. Verse 31 says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Three things that were going to happen to Jesus. Suffer. None of us want to suffer. I don't want you to suffer. But if you have to suffer, the greatest cause you could ever suffer for is the cause of our Lord Jesus. Be rejected. I don't want you to be rejected. Nobody wants to be rejected. 
The Bible says we are to be fools for Christ's sake. The only cause that's worthy of being rejected for is the cause of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, Jesus said, I'm going to be killed. There's a lot of good folks that have lost their life for just what you and I are doing here tonight. Polycarp was a disciple of John that followed in the next century after John and, and uh, carried on the teaching of God's word. They burned him for doing nothing more than you and I are doing tonight. But Jesus didn't stop there. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed. But after three days, I'm going to rise again. See, there's a victory after the cross. You and I need for strength to get after the cross. We need to see the joy set before us that Jesus endured the cross. We need eyes to see that. And guys, we don't have it automatically. I don't know how to raise that child. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good dad. I don't know how to be a good churchman, a good teacher, a good pastor. I don't know how to shepherd people well. I need my eyes opened so I can know how. Peter, uh, he began to teach what he's going to have to go through in verse 32. And he was stating the matter plainly. In other words, Jesus was speaking very plainly to them. I'm about to die, boys. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no. We were just cheering for Peter. <laughs> uh, he did it again. It's not real healthy to rebuke the person that created you, that is all-powerful, that can do anything. He took Jesus aside to rebuke him. Don't you want to say, Peter, keep your mouth closed, please. Don't mess it up. Don't do that. Verse 33, but turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't saying that about Peter. He was saying about the influence that was influencing Peter. This is not the way you ought to live, Peter. You're being influenced by the evil one. And that evil one has nothing to do with me. Get away. For you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. We all need our eyes opened by God to see things clearly. Peter did. Verse 34, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, when I was young, I, I heard that preached and taught several times, and many of you are Bible scholars in here. Um, when it's pertinent and, and uh, that's on my heart, I'll, I'll share with you the meaning of the Greek words, the Hebrew words that we're studying. But just look at those words in our English vocabulary. If anyone wishes to come after me, I sure do. I want to follow Jesus. Did you know what you were in for when you first started following Jesus? We don't know, do we? We just know that he loved us. He died on the cross for us. He's changed our life. Uh, some of you have told me about the show called Chosen that's, that's being aired on television right now. and hope it's a good show. I haven't seen just a, a clip or two of it. But someone was telling me about an encounter, uh, maybe you know who it was, where Jesus was talking. And maybe I think it might have been Mary Magdalene when she is sharing about what's happened to, in her life to someone else. She says, all I can tell you is I was one way and now I'm another way and he was the in-between. And that's what our testimony is too. 
I was blind, but now I can see. Do you hear tonight? Do you know what's ahead for your future? Guys, do you know how to be the man of God of your home that you should be? Ladies, do you know how to be a godly wife, a godly mother, grandmother? Do you know how to be what God wants you to be? Do you know where to go in your life next? What's the next direction? We all need our eyes open so we can see more clearly. But he said, if anyone wants to come after me, you got to deny yourself. That means to put down ourself. That that's not self-deprecating. That is to not mistreat yourself in any way. It's just to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, putting Christ first in your life and others ahead of yourself. That's what Jesus did. To deny myself does not fulfill my own uh, gratification all the time and my own wants and my own desires and does, does not do my own will. If you've ever been in premarital counseling before, you take uh, the couple to Ephesians chapter 5 and you teach that guy that you have a commandment from God Almighty that you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Men, you need to die for your wife. There was a noise the other night in our home. It was loud. It sounded like somebody was in our, in our garage. I told Holly to get up and go see. No, I didn't really... Uh, I jumped up and I ran to go see what it was because I couldn't bear the thought of somebody that would come in our home and, and hurt my wife. But did you know what, men? In that premarital counseling, we teach them, it's not enough just to be willing to lay down your life in an act of physical courage to protect your wife. You need to lay down your life for her on Saturday and on Tuesday. And on Thursday, when you want to go golfing with a buddy, sometimes you need to say, you know what, we had that plan, but I think I want to do what you want me to do. After she wakes up from fainting, uh, when you've told her that, she's going to say, God must be doing something in your life. I've asked many men in the last two decades a question. Would you go home and do something for your wife that she has no idea you're going to do, it is not something you would normally do. In fact, she knows you really don't care anything about doing it. But you will do it because you know it would be important to her. Did you know I've had men for many years come back to me? I always say, come back and tell me what happens. And I've had men come back and say, you can't believe what happened. That worked in my wife's life. I can't believe it. I said, what'd you do? One guy said, I watched two Hallmark movies with my wife. And it was like this great accomplishment, you know. I folded the clothes with her. I'm going, I had a little bit more lofty ideas in mind. One man read, they won't mind me telling it. By the way, not just the men came back to me, but the wives came to me and said, I don't know what you told my husband, but it sure was good. One of them is a pilot. And his wife was calling me to say, thank you. Thank you for encouraging my husband. I said, well, what did he do for you? She said, he read all the book of Solomon out loud to me. And when he got to the place where it was talking about how beautiful my complexion and my skin was, he said, your skin is like a brand new windshield on a 747. <laughs> but it, that wife loved it. That husband took his wife, uh, one of them did, took her for dance lessons well, he had no pleasure in that whatsoever, but he knew she would. One man took her to the theater because she liked it. He didn't. 
He didn't want anything back from it. He just did it to say, I love you. And the list goes on and on. The only bad part about encouraging people to do that for the last several years is those men have come back and said, what have you done for your wife lately? That's when it turns around on you. But guys, we're not just called to lay down our life if somebody's breaking in our home. We're called to lay down our life at all times. Wives, you know what you're called to do? You're called to respect your husband. Marriage counseling sometimes, my husband's not respectable. It never said to respect your husband if he deserves it. It says respect your husband because God tells you to. And I want to tell you, wife, if you want your husband to turn flips to be a good husband, you respect him. You show that you honor and respect who he is as a man. And I'll guarantee you God will get, of that, get a hold of that man's heart and you'll find a new man at home with you. We all need to see a little more clearly. I do. How about you? Peter did. Jesus said, you got to come after me. You got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross. I used to think that just meant be willing to suffer a little bit. It literally means to die. It means you got to be willing to die for Jesus' sake too. Die to yourself and live toward him and be willing to give your life for him. And then thirdly, and follow me. It's easy to say, follow me. Easy to say, follow me. But we ask the question, where are you going? We know wherever Jesus is going is good. So when he says, follow me, we're safe. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That's one of those paradox things in the scripture. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. How can that be? Only in Christ. You got to lose your life to save your life in Christ. You try to save your life. You do what you want. You don't give up to the, uh, the, the salvation of Jesus for the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're trying to save your own life. You're going to lose it. And then he goes on to say these familiar words. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Have you ever thought about how, value one, how valuable one soul is? What is the value, the price tag you would put on one person's soul? Here it says, if a person owned the whole world and offered his own soul or her own soul to God in exchange for eternal life, God would say, that's not enough. Now that tells me one soul is pretty valuable. You could gain the whole world and still lose your soul. You can't buy your soul, even one, with everything in the world. You may be here tonight and you say, I'm not too valuable. I got family problems and financial problems. I got mental problems and health problems. And I've got every kind of problem you can think of. Well, that's just the kind of thing that God wants to work. Good things in your life. You are valuable. I'm convinced that if you, and I could point, but my mama taught me not to point, every one of you here in this room tonight, if you were the only one that had ever lived, Jesus would have still died on the cross for you. That's how valuable you are. What would it profit and what would a man give in exchange for his soul? We all need our eyes open by God. Amen. Finally, he says in verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. He's coming back. He said he was going to die. He did. He said they were going to put him in the grave. They did. He said he was going to be raised from the dead three days later. He, he did. And he said, I'm coming back, and he will. Do you need your eyes open?
Oh, it's going to be a great day when we are called to go be with Jesus forever. Don't you want to have your eyes wide open so you can see it all? A few years ago, they did a test on my eyes because uh, like my dad and my granddad and my great-granddad, I understand, I had eyelids that were kind of drooping and they're, they're kind of, they call it clouding. So I thought I was okay, but, you know, I just wanted to get it checked out. They uh, gave me a little test that I put my face and every time I saw a flicker of light, click it. Well, in about 10 minutes, I saw a couple, two times. This sounds kind of personal, but they took my eyelids and they taped them all the way up. And they said, take the test again. Well, I'm sitting there clicking that. I clicked about 100 times of lights that I couldn't see. Y'all were driving next to me on the highway. <laughs> but I didn't realize that the, the, the condition that I had was clouding my vision so badly I couldn't see clearly. And when they raised it up, I could see all of these lights in my peripheral vision. I could see more clearly and I knew I needed something to take care of so I could see better. I was oblivious to it before. Well, guys, that's the way it is spiritually. We're blind. And we don't start out, even when we get saved, seeing everything. We don't see everything clearly. We've got to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you pray. That's why you come to church. That's why we need each other. I need you. Can you see? What do you see? Do you need your eyes open? I got a call 10 years ago that a little boy had been lost. Older brother and sister were playing out in the backyard with him and then all of a sudden after several minutes they couldn't find the little one and he had been on the bottom of their swimming pool for several minutes. And when I got there to that mom and I talked to her, do you think she needed her eyes opened a little bit? Do you think she could say, God, I can't see. I can't see how this could be good. I go to church and we had our little one, two years old, this little boy. We had him in church. We love you, Lord, and, and we tithe our income and we support the church and, and we're a good citizen and, and Lord, we're representative. I can't see how this could be good. She needed her eyes open. Maybe you've gone through something like that. You've lost a child or you've had a... You got fired from your job or you, a relationship. You may be sitting here tonight in that very circumstance and you say, I cannot see how a good God could be working in this. Well, as I talked to that mom 10 years ago, I put myself in her position and I just couldn't fathom what she was experiencing. She had had her cell phone all the time on with her, but she had, she had actually laid it on the counter, gone inside the house, all three children playing in the back. Two older ones had lost sight of the little one. And just, can you imagine the heartbreak of this mom? Jumped in the pool, grabbed that little boy, called the paramedics and just that circumstance that she was faced with. I met him at Cook's Children's Medical Center, which is an awesome place, by the way, over there in Fort Worth. And we started working on this little boy. They came out and told, her, told his mom, your little boy has a large head. And, you know, and she started to smile. She said, oh, he's had that head since he was born. He's got a big head. And the doctors all said he had a big head. And the doctor said, well, you know what? That works in his favor. 
because when someone goes through the circumstances that your little boy has, the, the brain begins to swell, and that usually what causes the greatest complications because when your brain swells, there's no room for it to, and tragic things take place. And your, your boy has room for his brain to swell when he was down without air for several minutes. That mama needed eyes to see. She wanted to see how God could be working through this. Well, I didn't ask the guys tonight. I should have. I got it on my phone, but I got a picture of that little boy giving me a high five in that hospital. He'd been underneath the water for eight minutes, but those doctors said he has no problem whatsoever. God took care of him, and that little boy is just fine. He's 12 years old today. By the way, his name's Isaac who was actually brought back almost from the dead. But that mama needed eyes to see. God blessed them and allowed that little one to be okay. And I pray God will use Isaac greatly. You may be going through something in your life and you need eyes to see. Ask the one who healed the blind man that day. Ask the one who opened Peter's eyes and let him know he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Ask the one that those disciples gave their lives for. Every one of them gave their life, the rest of their lives for Jesus. And answer the question in your own heart here tonight. Who do you say that I am? Let's pray. I can't help but think about the song that Mark and the team were singing earlier. You're worthy of it all. Men and women, there's gonna be a day that when we get to be with Jesus, our eyes will be open the fullest that they ever could be open. We will see him as he is. We'll see the glories of heaven. We'll see God face to face that no man could ever see him before he would die. We'll see the beauty of a place that Jesus says through the apostle Paul, no eyes seen, no ears heard. It's never even entered into the heart of man. How beautiful and how wonderful the place that God's preparing for those that love him. We'll be in heaven and we will see all things clearly then. But until then, do you need to see something a little better? I do. Join with me in this prayer. Father, would you open our eyes that we may see. Let us see your word more clearly. Let us see ourselves more clearly. Let us see others the way you see them. Oh Lord, let us let us see our world and what we could do to make it a better place. Oh, let us, let us see you more closely, Jesus. And like little Isaac, what could have been a tremendous tragedy, you spared and you blessed that family. He's now a growing little boy. Grow us up. Every day of our life, may we spend in prayer to you and in your word May you open our eyes more clearly that we may see. And Lord, if there's someone here tonight, what a good, good night it would be for someone to be able to see for the very first time. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you're saved, you come and talk with us. We can't save you, but there's a Savior who can, the same one who touched this man. Open our eyes, Lord. Illumine us, Spirit divine. In Jesus' name, amen.